February, March. And so, in the honor of rock and roll, it has been proclaimed that the 10th month shall be forever known as Rock Tower. Rock it, man. I know you will. Okay, welcome back to Take a Look Around FM. We are in the third week of Rocktober, and guess what, rock fans? It don't stop rocking to the rock beat. <laughs> That's right, brother. Uh... My rock bones connected to my rock feet. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I was wondering why you had a guitar in the background yeah, there. I plugged it into the fucking face. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm, that gag's done now. Welcome back to Rocktober for uh, our third week of Rocktober. How are you going, Sean? I am fantastic. Please refer to me by my rock pseudonym, uh, Shawnee Six. Hey, Shawnee Six, that's relevant to... Uh... Who is Shawnee Six? My name is Sean. <laughs> is there another man in the room? I have cocaine psychosis, <laughs> much like a rock and roll star. Sorry, we were talking about Freddie Prince before... Uh, not Freddie Prince Jr., Freddie Prince before we started this episode. So I've kind of got his... Uh... <laughs> you got cocaine psychosis on the brain? Yeah, but I've also got that like Freddie Prince kind of like... Uh, you got to jive it, mommy. Kind of diction stuck in my head. He, uh, sure. <laughs> he's funny. He's a funny guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll put the guitar away now. <laughs> Man, talking about cocaine psychosis, uh, this week we are doing probably one of the biggest pieces of shit I have watched in my lifetime. And I know that is a common thing for me to say. Did you watch a mirror? Yay! Come on! <laughs> That's the kind of thing that you can hear from 6 a.m. in the morning through to 11 o'clock at night before we turn this over to a Bible studies group for the, the evening shift on Take a Look Around FM. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, the, the fucking the dirt. Let's play that trailer. It could happen to anybody, but it didn't. It happened to us. A new band is going to be something nobody's ever seen before. Oh my god, those are my pants. But they look so much better on me. We got a runaway, a kid drummer, an old man. Let's just play it. A cover band singer. They say you're going to be a rock star. What do you think? Holy shit. If we want to knock people on their asses, then we've got to give them a show. I'm talking like a stadium show in the clubs. The fans, they're dying for some anarchy. So let's give it to them. I work for Electro Records. 
You guys like a record deal? I had managed the Scorpions, Bon Jovi, Skid Row, Kiss, but I had never been through what Motley Crue put me through. I am sick and tired of not having any fun. Everything's upside down and flip-flopping. Motley Crue, no strangers to controversy. Vince Neil was charged with vehicular manslaughter. Tommy Lee and Heather Locklear have separated. It's a degenerative bone disease. Nikki Six has overdosed. I know it's not gonna be easy. But I believe in you guys. Win it all or lose it all. We are Molly Crew. What's your relationship with Motley Crue? Let's just okay. Uh, <laughs> familiarity with the name for most of my life. Never actually heard the band until Guitar Hero came out, and Shout at the Devil was on, is like yeah. the first song you learn to play the controller. Shout, on, shout, and you just kind of flub your way, you flub your way through all of it. And I remember thinking, like, this song sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not has nothing to do with the fact that I'm terrible at the game. Man, oh, I also you... had like some. I guess the context for how I knew him was like. Hearing about Tommy Lee's like antics with Pamela Anderson oh, in the yeah. early two thousand, <laughs> you know, like the sex tape, being the, uh, a domestic abuser, yeah, giving her hepatitis. Oh my god, he's a real. You know, like it's a. Uh, I don't know. Apparently, he has Nazi swastika tattoos and shit. Like he's uh, a real yeah, fucking garbage man. Yeah. And we'll we'll get to a bit of what is wrong about this movie in terms mm. of, and I feel like that is just scratching the surface of the dirt. It's the dirt under the fingernails oh, of dude. everything that's wrong with this movie. Absolutely. Uh, look, what's your what's your history with Motley Crue, Big Dog? I think uh, I used to fucking hate them, and I came around to them. Uh, I think they are one of the funniest fucking bands ever. Like, there's just something... They they just suck. They're, like, they, like, they're horrible. Like, their first uh, EP, their first album, um, I really dig it. It's really kind of punk and raw, and it just sounds like Kiss if Kiss were playing faster. Uh, and look, I even like some of, like, the bigger albums, like Dr. Feelgood, uh, Theater of... What's the fucking theater? Theater of pain? of pain. Yeah, like they have hits. They are truly one of the worst bands that have ever existed, though. And I, <laughs> I, I like, but like, it's kind of like Billy Idol, where if somebody put like a um, a best of on, I like, I, I would drive around to a best of Motley Crue for sure. But, Billy um, Idol is not even in the same stratosphere as Motley. Oh Crue. no, Billy, he's look, a I love Billy icon. Idol, but he's like def- definitely a singles artist, like. 
very <laughs> I can't ever No, no, I, I fuck hard with like Billy Idol B sides. Like uh his cyberpunk album is literally oh, of course just you do. non-stop hits. <laughs> no First album way. released on floppy disk, baby. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But um yeah, man, like it is undeniable that Motley Crue are some of the worst people that have you know ever what they existed. Remind me of? What, uh, you know how like the black metal, the early black metal bands like Burzum and Mayhem, they um, took everything that Venom were talking about, like Satanism and like rock and roll and living life to the extreme, which was all like an act for Venom. They mm. thought that was all legitimate and real. And, like, they played it all up as legitimate and real. Motley Crue were doing that with, like, Kiss. the, like, campness of Kiss and yep. um, the New York Dolls, for sure. Uh, and, like, taking it to the absolute extreme. And, like, they didn't realize it was all... Glam rock was a bit, like... Yeah, uh, no. They are truly some of the stupidest people that have ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> it is ludicrous how successful they are i think they are maybe the worst live band i have ever seen oh uh, really you've seen them oh the, yeah like I'd... the roller coaster yes. 360 degree yeah, yeah. drum Half- set halfway through this set they let tommy lee go in the crazy drum kit where he just drummed along to bangerang whilst upside down <laughs> by, by skrillex oh yeah. that fucking rocks <laughs> but like vince neal at this point so this was what seven years ago vince neal was looking fat as shit i mean like <laughs> that man was like walking across the stage and having to take breaks halfway through because to like catch his breath like he was off so hard like literally it was like come on i mean his voice was always bad but like he just hit absolutely none of the notes like it was fucking painful to watch <laughs> like, like one of those shreds videos oh yeah dude owned uh, <laughs> it was so good they were opening so it was like a, a triple lineup of thin lizzy with pretty much only one of the original members motley crew <laughs> hey it's me thin from thin lizzy <laughs> yeah, yeah we have the uh, original drummer's son on drums and um and kiss with a headliner i'm and... on break from university <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty sweet, sweet gig and i've seen kiss maybe like two or three times now maybe two times uh, and even then, Kiss was so fucking boring that I legitimately fell asleep. I might have also been fucking really drunk, so that might have also <laughs> contributed to me passing out or falling asleep. Um, and I literally had, like, the back row, like, literally in the bleachers, the furthest back seat you could get. So it was kind of like, I don't even know if I'm in the same country as these bands at the moment. <laughs> I'm definitely not in, like the right the same like aerospace kind of i don't know anyway uh yeah motley crew fucking suck which is apt but this movie also fucking sucks <laughs> it's okay uh, it... can i uh like just cut in kenny's cutting in kenny's here cutting in, yeah. uh i adore this movie oh dude it's... i think it is fantastic it's, um, it's it's a spectacle for sure like it is no like i genuinely liked it oh, like yeah. not even irony liking <laughs> were you in the same car crash as vince neal and, that Swedish <laughs> and razzle, razzle dazzle yeah. <laughs> 
Not Razzle, dude. You killed Razzle. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody's unfamiliar with the story of Motley Crue, Motley Crue were the brainchild of super duper loaded fucking spoiled child Tommy Lee Jones and his fucking airhead friend. <laughs> Did you say Tommy Lee Jones? What's his name? Tommy Lee Jones? <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones is two oh, Tommy Lee. Batman yeah, Forever. Yeah, sure. Tommy Lee Bass is his last name. Oh, wow. Um, why does he play drums? <laughs> uh, why does oh, he play Nikki's- drums? Because Nikki Six plays bass the same way he plays life, like shit. Oh, dude. But he, I really think Tommy Lee might be one of, like, he's up there with Lars Ulrich for, like, one of the worst drummers ever recorded. And he, like, it's just. All of them are terrible except oh. Vince Neil and Mick Mars. Like, those yeah, two Mars could play, but the only two, like, constants in the band. Uh, a really uh, Tommy Lee and uh, Nikki Six. It was their brainchild, and they couldn't do anything. No, fucking <laughs> they were Nikki just Six two could... drug addicted pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki Six could die from heroin twice <laughs> and come <laughs> back alive. Um, fuck, man. Like, yeah. So if if you, look, Tommy Lee and Nikki, they start the band. The band being Motley Crue. They fucking suck. They eventually find a guitarist who's like fucking a hundred years old <laughs> it's like a else. vampire uh, McMars. there is something in mcmars that i see in myself where it's just like oh dude you're gonna have your moment but it's gonna be like 37 and everyone's gonna be younger than you and it's gonna be very obvious that you blew quite a lot of your opportunities earlier like he- i like that his story arc in this film uh like his only like moment is him being like the guys were like why did you never party and it's actually because i had sciatica and a slip disc (laughs) i will go through tens of thousands of dollars of worth of reconstructive surgeries on my back (laughs) to just do what i did and get addicted to like fucking endone for a while and eventually it'll all sort out once you lose weight it's fine (laughs) um uh yeah dude it's motley crew they just they get signed by Pete Davidson. And... Oh yeah, he, this was the first time I'd ever like heard Pete Davidson talk. Like oh. I was familiar with pictures of him from memes of Ariana Grande looking at him, mm. and uh, like just being like, "Hey, look, it's like Chris if he was Frankenstein." But uh, then I I heard him speak, and I was like, "He sounds like that. Like, is he at yeah, least no, talented?" Right. It turns uh, out, no. So <laughs> no. Man, it blows my mind that he does Weekend Update and he just doesn't wear a suit. Like, that's the whole fucking thing. Like, Yeah, you're, you're a newscaster. Yeah, that's the joke. Like, that's the joke. Like, it's blows... It's just... I He's just, probably never seen the news oh, in his dude. entire life, has he? I just don't get it, man. I, anyway. Oh, fuck. So Vince Neil gets into a car crash... This is even before Motley Crue become famous. <laughs> and, uh, there's I mean, like, what, there's really... like, basically they establish themselves in the Los Angeles like heavy metal scene. Mm. Heavy metal and air quotes there, the same way that they put umlauts over the wrong vowels in their name. <laughs> yeah. Like they literally were like Budweiser. How about Motley Crue? <laughs> and. Like, they they become this hard-partying rock and roll band, but we only get really one scene of them hard-partying oh, the and developing their reputation. the slow-mo squirt thing at the yeah, gross party. Yeah, like, 
that what the like pisses on a woman or something. Oh uh, like, yeah, no, she, he makes her squirt or something, and but it's like a huge squirt, and everyone at the party's like, because <laughs> they're all getting the piss all over them as well. It's yeah. uh, and then they snort their own piss with Ozzy Osbourne, and uh, yeah, I mean, their kid, what Vince Neil's kid dies. I mean, it's really. You know, they get sober and they don't and then they do again and then all of a sudden, what, the movie ends? Motley Crue would perform together for another... <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> 30 years? <laughs> yeah. I love the, the, the at the very end that uh, Tommy Lee... Well, I've, how have we not mentioned that he's played by Sean's favorite musician, Machine Gun Kelly? <laughs> he's awesome. <laughs> that that my bloody Valentine song by Machine Gun oh Kelly. God. That's a fucking bop and a half. <laughs> in my head, in my oh. head. <laughs> um, I love at the very end how they just completely reduce the fact that they are domestic violence, potential rapist. Uh, manslaughterers, just some of the worst people who have ever existed in the entertainment industry with Tommy Lee saying something along the lines of, yeah, we may have done a couple of crazy things, and yeah, unfortunately, they may have hurt some people. But, say la vie, you can't change that, so we're going to keep on rocking. <laughs> and that's just the frame for What's really interesting, and I I waited till we covered what little plot of this film before (laughs) I brought this up, was that they'd been trying to make this movie happen for quite a considerable number of years. The Dirt by Motley Crue, the biography that this is based on, was The Dirt Confessions of the World's Most Notorious Rock Band, was originally written back in let's have a look like 2001, 2001. Right? neil strauss yeah. the pickup yeah. artist dude and so they'd been trying to tell their story and they wrote this in the era of kitchen confidential by uh anthony bourdain that was the kind of the attitude that was going on and so by the time they signed the rights away to mtv during the jackass era and jeff tremaine of jackass actually directed this film (laughs) but by the time they finally got the story onto the big screen the the story of motley Crue and how to present that story had completely the kind of what's the word yuckiness the the zeitgeist had changed people did not want to see unapologetic party hard rocking there there are there are paragraphs in the dirt written from the perspective of tommy lee's dick in italics um and it it is all warts and all and they're so excited about how they were manslaughters and domestic abusers and drug addicts but this is the era um now where we get things like the queen documentary we get rocket man and things have changed so they had to make this story and these people seem like these kind of emo um you know emo grown-ups who are like it's like a coming of age story almost yeah and you can tell that's you know deep down vince neal and nikki six and tommy lee no matter how much they promoted the fact that they were back on netflix and on every screen in the world they probably hated this film 
Yeah, fuck, man. I, I, I agree with you that, like, the zeitgeist definitely changed. Like, if this came out in the noughties, and you gotta remember, this was a decade that was, like, Dude's like Tucker Max. This guy's fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, yeah. If this came out Maddox then, like, like a guide to beer and being a man or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Hey, being an irredeemable scumbag is actually endearing instead of like now it's just so tone deaf, especially after like, you know, Me Too and just the whole kind of, um, you know, prominent shitty people being just the fucking worst. But uh, yeah, just. I just don't know if we ever needed this movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, it's testament to Motley Crue that they kept trying to make this movie happen because they are the world's biggest egotists, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess two more things about this film. Um, so much like all of our favorite movies on this podcast, there was a near fatal incident that resulted in someone getting third degree burns and having their limbs amputated. Uh, <laughs> poor stuntman Louis Da Vinci. Uh, he was also a rigging grip. Da Vinci. Da Vinci. <laughs> he, um, That's not going to age this episode. Uh, I didn't at even all, realize that. I, I mean, obviously it was an act, but I, I didn't realize that it was an act because they were wrestlers. Which is like actually a pretty good act. Anyway, I get sidetracked. Yeah, they didn't break um, kayfabe, man. Davinci. No, but uh, <laughs> this guy sued. Uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, Louis Stevenson T. Davinci. He sued Motley Crue for two million, which is pretty sweet. Uh, take that, Tommy Lee Jones, <laughs> and um, the song. You know how there's that original song where it was like, Molly Crew are getting back in the stew for a couple of songs for a new soundtrack to The Dirt. And uh, the title song, The Dirt, established 1981, star, it has Machine Gun Kelly on it, rapping about big fat tits. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty shit. <laughs> and That's I don't so think good. they even played guitar on those songs i don't think they actually played the instruments on the song either which is even really because i'm looking it's at the credits just... and it's all just session musicians getting writing <laughs> credits <laughs> that's so oh funny. dear um man so Few final moments on uh the dirt and motley crew in general before we have a look at the prequel to this film <laughs> uh is that um uh Tommy Lee recorded uh, a cover of the classic funk song Love Train for the end credits of Final Destination 3. You can't find it anywhere on any streaming service. There's like low quality rips of it on YouTube and it fucking slaps. It's oh, so good. That's so refuse to believe that. <laughs> <laughs> they are so... Yeah. Was that with Methods of Madness or whatever his new metal group was yep. called? Oh, That's dude. the one. <laughs> also, he let a child drown at his son's birthday party because he was too busy entertaining the mums of some of the kids. Oh my god, he's just the worst. <laughs> uh, friend of the podcast, Chris Campion, got me onto the Instagram profile of Nikki Six. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rehabilitates himself through art therapy. It's called Nikki Six Picks. Uh, <laughs> His daughters are fucking hot as hell. 
Is she a smoke show? Yeah, pure smoke show. <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen on Nikki Six Picks was the week before his death, Nikki Six uh, had discovered the music of XXX Tentacion oh, and was just absolutely raving about it and like tagging him about getting into the studio together. And then a week <laughs> later, he was found shot dead, and Nikki Six was like, inconsolable it's like dude you killed one of your best friends what in like a drunken dui like sorry that this guy didn't fucking write you back because grandpa fucking heroin was like blowing up his dms oh man these guys suck should we have a look at the prequel oh this is actually a sequel to the film uh as you will find, I didn't actually watch The Dirt. I spit the dummy quite uh, a lot about re-watching a film I'd already seen after two weeks of absolutely excruciating musicals. And I insisted that... Uh, well, I, I didn't have to insist. This is clearly the sequel to the events that take place in The Dirt. That we have a look at a film that embodies the spirit of Rocktober, 1996's The Rock. Play trailer. Following is a state secret, gentlemen. Disclose it to any party and you will be subject to prosecution. His name is John Mason, British national incarcerated on Alcatraz in 1962. Escaped in 63. There's no identity in the United States or Great Britain. He does not exist. Secrets have a way of coming back to haunt you. There's a hostage situation on Alcatraz. Hostage. 81 tourist. The Rock's a tourist attraction. The one you train to defend you becomes your greatest threat. A battery of VX gas rockets is presently deployed to deliver a highly lethal strike on the population of the San Francisco Bay Area. And the one you abandon becomes your only hope. You go talk to him. Me? Yeah. Hiya. I'm an agent with the uh, FBI. I'm Stanley Goodspeed. But of course you are. At least he got his name right. Now, all that stands between a city and the disaster. The power of this chemical is way beyond anything you can imagine. That's where you're coming with us. Is a man who's never seen combat. You're a chemical freak. <laughs> I'm a chemical super freak, actually. And another who's been out of action for 30 years. Show us on the blueprints. I can't. My blueprint was in my head. Fortunately, some things you never forget. But don't worry. It'll all come back to me. From Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, the producers of Top Gun and Crimson Tide, and Michael Bay, the director of Bad Boys. Welcome to The Rock. We got visitors. Sean Connery. I'm sure you're ready for this. I'll do my best. Your best? Losers always whine about their best. Yeah. Nicholas Cage. Listen, I'm just a biochemist. I drive a Volvo. Beige one. So what do you say you cut me some friggin' slack? Ed Harris. Fire. 
summer. Get ready to rock. Starring Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage, Ed Harris, and directed by Michael Bay. This this film fucking owns. slaps. Oh my <laughs> god, it's so good. <laughs> Fuck I, me I, dead. I just love the like it, the thing that sticks in my head all the time is Sean Connery's Womack, I should have known you piece of shit when he's like <laughs> cutting open. I didn't the- know you could do a Sean Connery. <laughs> oh yeah, I practice uh, a lot of Sean Connerys, but we all Can keep- I see reggae Sean Connery? Uh now I'm on the spot. <laughs> uh give me a second. Pass Paducci to the left hand side. Oh my god, that's fantastic. <laughs> I've got now, a license to chill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll bring back Sean Connery for future episodes. <laughs> now, a lot of our uh, a lot of our fans are probably asking, "Hey, Sean, Al, why is this the sequel to the events of the well, dirt?" Well, I think it's the prequel because uh, the process of erosion breaks rocks down into dirt. Ah, but what you'd find is if you glued enough dirt together, (laughs) it would form a solid object, much unlike a rock. Um, That is factually incorrect. It would create some kind of dirt cluster that is not the same as a rock. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, Al and reggae Sean Connery, this is not a podcast for nerds. This is a podcast for rockers. People who like 1996's The Motherfucking Rock. Now, Al, you and I had a conversation the other day about a potential Patreon series we wanted to do about Channel 10 films that were on after The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. And this one in particular, I remember being utterly traumatized by the opening sequence in which they, uh, Ed Harris and his group of Marines break into a military installation to steal nerve gas canisters and one of them drops the canisters and proceeds to uh, be locked in an airlock while his skin melts, skin oh, melts man. off his face. I remember being like, ooh, that's it for tonight, Shawnee! <laughs> Time to obsess over this for years. I mean, I guess because it was used in the Iraq War, it was still pretty prescient. Oh, not prescient. It was still pretty um, in the zeitgeist. But the 90s, I definitely was like, oh my god, there's any... I could absolutely get fucking nerve-gassed at any time, and it would turn my insides... I was also terrified of nerve-gas as a child. I just... Well, it's kind of like quicksand, where it's just one of those... um, Things, things you thought you'd have to deal with lava, <laughs> yeah, quicksand, yeah. Yeah, exactly. rickety rope bridges across <laughs> yeah. two fucking massive like but, cliff faces. But I just have a really strong memory of being a kid, and I think there was some kind of investigation being done into the usage of nerve gas. I would have been like seven or eight. I remember asking mom, "What's nerve gas?" and she was just like. Uh, it pretty much melts your entire insides and kills you by scrambling everything inside of you and turning it into soup and just being like, oh my god, no! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mom. A- What's for dinner? <laughs> soup. Nerve gas. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I mean, did you had you seen this film prior to watching it? 
Oh, not in a fucking decade or so. Back when I was probably this, like, snooty little boy that, like, wanted to, like, only, like, art films and stuff like that. And so, for this, now that my brain has turned into the opposite of a rock, kind of the dirt, (laughs) um, uh, I could understand just how fucking hooting and hollering this was. So, this is Michael Bay uh, right after... Uh, what was it? Right after Bad Boys. So he had a budget behind him and he was... This is the first opportunity for Nicolas Cage to really like take a punt on himself as an action star. Mm. He took he took this on as a bet because people said he was too quirky and offbeat to ever make it work. And God, is he quirky and offbeat in this is Stanley Goodspeed, uh, yeah, an I... FBI chemical weapons expert. He is fucking hilarious in this movie i love that run of nicholas cage being an action hero like this i mean i wouldn't say snake eyes is an action film but it does definitely has some kind of brutish qualities to it did you just call it snack eyes that's uh, me after eyes. this episode yeah, baby hey, it's lunchtime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i mean you know that was a good uh, uh a good three like three film run of Snake Eyes, Con Air, uh, Snake Eyes, The Rock, and then Con Air. Like those are fucking great movies, man. I think and, Snake Eyes was last out of that bunch. Oh, to be okay, honest. ninety-eight. I was thinking yeah. ninety-five, but that makes so sense. So this is ninety-six. We get uh, Con ninety-seven. Yeah, and yeah, but and he's been trying. Oh, and then Face Off is ninety-nine. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, of course. So he's been trying to bring that back for two decades now, hasn't he? Like, yeah. he's not accepted in art circles anymore. He's not accepted properly in comedy circles anymore. Mm. So he's like, well, fuck, I'm a stupid fucking moron idiot. Like, I love what, Nick what? Cage, man. I think, uh, what was his, uh, Roger Ebert had, and I agree with this 100%, Roger Ebert uh, said that Nick Cage is the last actor of the same school as De Niro and Pacino. Uh, he's just one of those actors that no matter how fucking shitty the movie is, he rocks up, will throw a thousand fucking percent into the role, and it looks like overacting because nobody's matching him, and he's just this, like, I love him. Like, I will watch any piece of shit he's in. Like, I've watched Left Behind. Yeah. And I don't even think of him as, like, when he... Do you think he's a little... Do you think he's a little overexposed, though? Um, like, he is a meme. I mean, yeah, for sure. I think that whole... Like, I loved Mandy, but when I saw it, I think everyone was like, hey, he's yelling, like, in the meme! And it was like, this is actually a fucking sweet performance of a dude who just watched his wife get set on fire. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't think... I, I just... I don't know. I think he's great. I like Marge Simpson in that potato. I just think he's neat, man. I think he's. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, See, the, rock the is way awesome. you describe Nicolas Cage is how I feel about John Travolta. Like I'll watch anything that Travolta's in yeah, and fair enjoy enough. it. Yeah. And I think that Travolta is the. Uh, he's gay, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, who is um? Who is like B plus Pacino? Who's B plus De Niro? Ray Liotta is definitely B plus De Niro. Um, but Pacino, who's a sh- 
is Nicolas Cage B plus De Niro, uh, Pacino? <laughs> okay, let's just go with what you said, gay Nicolas Cage. <laughs> That's pretty much exactly spot on. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, uh, Sean Connery signed on to this film because of the fact that Nicolas Cage did. He wanted to work with him. Nicolas Cage was hot as shit. This is post-leaving Las Vegas. He has an Oscar under his belt at this point. Uh, now, um, basically, in, in thinnest possible plot, because Michael Bay films are loud, obnoxious, they're indecipherable, even in his early times, and this is his best film, a group of Marines uh, play, led by Ed Harris, absolute dream team of killers. Uh, you've got Tony Todd, you've got Bakeem Woodbine, you've got uh, David Morse. Like, it's just the star-studded list of, hey, look, it's that guy from that thing. Yeah, but Kim Woodbine's been in a, quite a few things recently, hasn't he? Like, I feel like... Yeah, he's in Fargo. Mm, uh, uh, Overlord. Did you see Overlord? I did. I hated it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah right. I guess, yeah, I probably would have... I can imagine because it's the whole, like, Nazi zombies, that's epic source. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I saw it with a friend of the show, Robinson. Uh, we were a few beers deep, so maybe that made us um, enjoy it a bit more. But, yeah, no, fair enough. have been on a recent binge of Star Trek and 90s mm. Tony Todd movies. So I, he had an absolute fucking killer 90s between... Uh, Candyman, his appearances on Star Trek, The Next Generation, and Deep Space Nine. Oh, uh, yeah. Was this, he, was he the uh, son final... in Deep Space Nine? Yeah, he plays um, Jake Curtis, all, Jake Sisko, all, yeah. all grown up in that one episode. But uh, he is also Worf's brother, um, Korn, oh, whatever Korn. his name is. <laughs> Man, um, I- I need to rewatch Next Gen and Deep Space Nine. This show's fucked. Yeah. Rule so much. <laughs> I'm right at that point in Deep Space Nine where fucking Cisco gets a haircut and shit oh. just fucking pops <laughs> off, baby. <laughs> it's so good. So, yeah, I love Tony Todd. I think he's unstoppable. He's incredible in my favorite franchise of all time, the Final Destination films. Uh, I'm really looking forward to hopefully Tony Todd getting a resurgence. Now, I do digress. Yeah. Uh, Ed Harris's Marines have stolen nerve gas and are holding the US government and the city of San Francisco at ransom for $100 million to be given to all of the people killed in action uh, under Ed Harris's Black Ops uh, military agency that were disavowed by the uh, American government. Sure. So he's a noble never... villain of sorts. Yeah. He, he, he's a genuinely like complex villain, and it, it cannot be understated how much this film, the characters, the sets, even people involved with it would have influenced the Metal Gear Solid franchise. And it, it even the concept of Ed Harris's villain is Big Boss from... Metal Gear. Yeah. And 
I mean, there's this fantastic opening sequence where he like goes to his wife's grave and apologizes to her for what he's going to do, and she's buried at Arlington uh, Arlington Cemetery with all of the Marines. And I remember thinking, like, fuck, if I die in a war, do not bury me in that shitty fucking cemetery where everyone has got the same fucking like little white tombstone or whatever. That shit sucks. I want to be remembered and then that turns out to be the plot of the movie so i was like oh cool i'm smart (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i I mean yeah in regards to metal gear solid i mean that that it's definitely i definitely think it was the inspiration for metal gear solid 2 um i mean you know hideo kojima is very blatant about uh his wholesale homages. This is Metal Gear Solid 2, the movie, isn't yeah. it? It's sneaking into the facility. Hey, it's... Talk, take, talking about uh, wholesale homages, Quentin Tarantino was an uncredited script doctor on this movie. He was an uncredited script doctor on pretty much all of the Bruckheimer films mm. uh, f- throughout the 90s before really he kind of his career like hit the stratosphere. Like he made a million dollars for putting in that line in Crimson Tide about Silver Surfer. <laughs> like... Oh, yeah. Man, and uh, Aaron Sorkin as well was the, uh, the other script doctor. So... Yeah. Pre-West Wing. So he was, you know, like, still uh, another, like, bastion of the 90s, like, uncredited script doctors. It's why every 90s film sounds like a combination of Sorkin and Tarantino is because they worked on all of it. They were paid a million dollars to add lines about pop cultural dialogue because everyone was just like sneezing out money and cocaine during 90s action cinema. You ever notice that like a virgin is about a girl taking a dick so big but it makes her feel like a virgin? That's that's more (laughs) Liam Neeson than Sean Connery. (laughs) Can I hear reggae Liam Neeson? I don't know who you are. What are you doing? No, I got nothing. Uh, but All right. Pass about... the duchy to the left-hand side. <laughs> I have a very particular set of skills to roll this duchy. <laughs> there we go. That's stupid. Um, oh, so basically, a... Stanley Goodspeed is, uh, <laughs> is a chemical weapons expert who gets uh, brought on with, uh, what's his name? Sean Connery. Oh, John Mason. Who... Yeah, John Mason, who has been kept in captivity, uh, thrown away lock and key by the U.S. government for like the last 40 years. Um, And it's like implied that he's James Bond. If he has all of the secrets to like who killed JFK and everything like that. And uh, they need to use him to take down Ed Harris because we haven't explained why this movie rocks or why it's called The Rock. It's because it's all set on Alcatraz, also known as The Rock. Now, if you were just like a common cinema goer in the 90s, you probably didn't know that Alcatraz was called The Rock. (laughs) None of this would have made sense to you. (laughs) But that's all the exposition of like... The Rock? You mean Alcatraz? <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. <sighs> so they, they break in. Uh, Michael Bean, also a Metal Gear Solid franchise, part of Cinematic Universe, is murdered. So it's down to uh, Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage to save the day and take down the killers. 
who want to nerve gas San Francisco. It's like we are just like riffing and talking shit, but this movie is such a fucking hoot. It's so yeah, much it's fun. It's pretty great. I think its like, only downside is it goes for like all of those like oh, I guess it is only 2 hours. I'm thinking yeah. of uh, Armageddon. Armageddon goes for way too long. It's 2 hours long, but you could have completely excised that car chase through San Francisco that yeah. was added at the insistence of the studios who thought that young people like car chases. And they're right! (laughs) (laughs) They do rule. (laughs) Yeah. So there's some absolutely fantastic lines in it, like Nicolas Cage uh, (laughs) referring to Zeus's butthole, Um, Sean Connery saying that, you know, breaking into the the rock. I guess we should explain that the reason they've brought him along is because he's the only person that's ever escaped Alcatraz. There, I said it. You could have cast Clint Eastwood in the role and it would have been a great throwback to Escape from Alcatraz, but I don't think Clint Eastwood, like, knows what jokes are. He just, like, drinks a cup of coffee and scowls. (laughs) Do you remember when he talked to the chair? Oh, yeah. And the chair was Obama or something? (laughs) Mr. Press. I love, uh... Clint Eastwood, but it is fucking insane that he is just a dyed-in-the-wool Republican. Is he dead yet? He, no, he, no, he's, he's still kicking, man. End of the year, man. End of the year. What was his last movie? What did he last make? The uh, Mule? Didn't you do Richard Jewell? Oh, Richard, Richard Jewell? Jewell rocks. Paul Walter Hauser yeah, I... uh, retweeted one of my tweets once, and I told him to come on Take a Look Pod. So um, we might cover Richard Jewell in the future. <laughs> I'll pretend to be Clint. E- uh, what was his name? Steve. Uh, who, the actor? Richard Jewell. No. His name is Richard Jewell. No, the actor. <laughs> oh, Paul Walter Hauser. Paul, you gotta go and take a look. That's not Cliff Richard at all. Damn it! Uh, what was his last movie? He did something that apparently was pretty. Oh no, it was Richard Jewell. Wait, was it Richard Jewell? <laughs> it was Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell. Let's do Richard. You know Jewel. what Richard is short for? Richardo? It's short for Oh no, it's like like Dick is short for Richard. And you yeah, know yeah. what my dick is right now? Julian. It's rock hard for this movie. <laughs> I love this movie. It's Rocktober, baby. Let's bring it all back home. Now, this movie fucking rocks. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I only did it because I didn't want to watch The Dirt again because I watched <laughs> it a month ago. Uh, where are we? What are we going to recommend? What, let, let, let's bring this home for Rocktober, baby. Uh, the Dirt or The Rock? Do both, man. Like, if you're listening back to... Back to back. Like, they're part of the same cinematic this, universe. you very clearly have a lot of free time. So <laughs> you might as well just watch both of those films. You know, The Rock has been released. I think it's the only film we'll ever cover that has a Criterion Collection release. Oh, I thought it was Armageddon that had the Criterion Collection. But- why would you put Armageddon on the Criterion Collection? Uh, that, that's, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> oh, I got fucking Highway to Hell wrong. Anyway. <laughs> I, okay, I got it, it now. like nothing. <laughs> Oh, wow. 
buy my guitars out of tune. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, we will talk to you guys next week where we have a... Would you say he's a special guest? He's uh, a very special very guest. Very special guest. Long-time fan of the pod. I remember seeing his face when I told him I was making a podcast about new metal. It lit up with that beautiful smile of his. Next week, we have uh, rock and roll modern royalty. royalty. Yeah, Jake that's... Robertson. He really is. Oz Mutants, The Frowning Clouds, The Hierophants, Alien Nose Job. You, you've heard his bands if you like modern Australian rock and roll music. He's been on Spicks and Specs before. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. He was in the Purple Hearts as well. Like, one of Australia's uh, most influential... Like, obviously he was a, uh, a new lineup member, but... Jake has played with everybody. Like, it's insane. He played with, what, Robin Hitchcock as well? Oh, man, I can't wait. Fun little fact, Jake and I went to TAFE together in 2007 as well. So to me, he's he's just a fellow graduate, not not rock god. So Fun little fact, Jake is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be a good one. I'm very excited for this episode. So we are going to be doing the 1960s classic uh, by the Monkees and Reggae Jack Nicholson, who <laughs> might stop by. <laughs> we are doing Head. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>